Hello humans, welcome to the Awkward Tale at Work podcast. I am your host, Emery. First of all, thank you so, so much for pressing play on this episode. I promise you, you will learn something new about yourself. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of people who pursue a passion career across all walks of life. Hopefully by sharing a story, it can encourage you to really go for that job and that lifestyle you really want. Head over to my website, awkwardturtlepod.page to see who else has been on the podcast. And now, this is the Awkward Turtle at work. Hello humans, welcome back to another episode of Orchid at Work with me, your host, Emery. Now, some of the listeners who follows me on my uh, social uh, media will know that I was in Koh Samui recently. Uh, it was an amazing, amazing time. Uh, a bit different and, and, and a bit of a bittersweet at times, uh, knowing these places would, would be so packed uh, in the pre-COVID world, but it was very lucky to obviously be there um, where most places were relatively quiet um, and, and really able to enjoy that peaceful style of Koh Samui as well. And of course, that's how I actually met today's guest, Bella, um, on the the trip so really really interesting uh background she's got and, and i would love to kind of talk to her about her, her career as well so welcome bella welcome to the show thank you very much hello hello again um how did you find Koh Samui first of all traveling was, under covid so, well it was it was like you say it was a bit weird because there was nobody else there we were the first people to arrive back in the islands after um a year or more of lockdown um so it was kind of a bizarre experience, uh, but it was a really, really amazing to get out of London. I've been in London, obviously, on lockdowns for you know for ages and mm-hmm. getting quite twitchy and just really desperate to see and do different things. Um, so, yeah, it was amazing to get to go to Thailand and, um, and you know, have all the experiences that we had there. Yeah. Was it the first trip we did then since COVID? And I'm, I'm assuming it'll be longest you haven't travelled for a while, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I like the before the pandemic started in March 2020, I had just been away on a filming trip to Mexico. So right. I'd, I had been lucky enough to have been away in the early part of the year. And then I did get to go on a shoot to Turkey in August 2020. So mm. that was the last time I went away was last August. Um, so it had been a year since I'd been on a plane. Um, yeah. Or even really left London. I mean, I had gone out you know, sort of day trips or whatever, and I went to Wales for a week, but really hadn't much left my flat much at all for a year, which is very, very unusual for me. And um, and you obviously travel a lot for work. So, how many countries have you travelled to? And um, what is there anything else that you still have your like a uh, you still have left in your bucket list that you really want to go, but you haven't been able to? Oh, the bucket list is enormous. Um, I've been to. <laughs> I don't really count, um, and I. The counting can be difficult because it depends on how you count. Some some of these kind of online calculators, they count England, Scotland, Wales as three separate uh, countries. Right, right, right. Is that three separate countries? I don't know. Um, I don't think it is. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's about 65. Wow. Um, so, you know, but each of those, you know, when you go, you go for, you only see one small part of the country normally. And so I'd love to go back to most of them and then obviously there are loads and loads more that I haven't been to. So just to give everyone a bit of context um, tell everyone a bit about sort of what you do now uh, and kind of you know what you get up to on a daily basis. My main job is as a documentary producer director um, and I work at the moment in science and history so some of what I do is going to wherever there is archaeological sites or interviewing scientists or historians in wherever they happen to be. Um, So I get to go to some pretty cool places for that. Um, And then on the side, I write a travel blog 
um, and I do little bits of travel photography, some of which is sort of off my own bat. So I'll just book a, a trip and go and then take pictures or write blog posts and then sort of try to recoup some of the expenses later. Um, otherwise, sometimes, oh, okay. very occasionally, it's a press trip where, you know, like which is what Thailand was, um, where the tourism mm-hmm. organization will will send me um, to create content for them. Right, right. So basically, your your role is constantly traveling, traveling, traveling. <laughs> well, it's not that constant. And actually, I quite like it that way, because I, you know, much as I love travel, it is also quite tiring. And I do also like being at home, yeah. and, you know, having a routine and seeing my friends and family. So it's it's sort of sporadic little trips. No, no filming trip is ever normally more than a few weeks. Um, mm. and then you know, to prepare for a, a, you know, say a three week filming trip can be a couple of months of preparation. And then after the trip, there'll be a couple of months of editing. So the trip itself is only a small part of the, of the what goes into making a documentary. Ah, okay. I see. So actually the prep work that we don't really see on, on a TV is actually probably the, the majority of the work, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. The, the, the thing that I've just finished, I'm just literally finishing it next week. Um, I started in November. And the filming trip was five weeks long, although I didn't in the end, I didn't actually get to go on the trip because of the of covid but um had i had I gone, then yes, it was I started in November, I'm finishing just now, and the filming part of that was only five weeks. I can never get my head around how much behind the scene work is always being done uh, for for movies and whatnot, even for the podcast you know I didn't realize there's so much into it um which which you know makes you appreciate the work even more uh, anyway, well, I always like to do a rapid fire round questions um so are you ready wildlife or people wildlife and if you can choose to repeat one trip you've been on, where would that be? Well, that, that ties in quite nicely with my answer to the previous question, because the Galapagos. Oh, OK. Tell, tell me more. Well, I went to the Galapagos very long time ago when I, was, when I was quite young and I wasn't really as interested in photography as I am now. So I went with just a little, you know, compact camera and, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a long time ago and it's just an amazing, amazing place and I would love to go back and do it all again. Nice. And what is your go-to song when you need a bit of motivation? Oh, goodness me. I don't think I can answer that. <laughs> Um, I, ooh, I, re- I mean, I, can't, I honestly don't think I can answer that because I, like there's so many different songs for different things. And actually I, I tend not to listen to that much music, uh, apart from if I'm going running or whatever, okay. because I, because I'm always busy writing or, or that kind of thing. I'm, I, I can't concentrate when there's background noise. So I tend to work in silence. I'm the exact opposite. I have to have background noise, um, when, when I work, uh, even just kind of background music. Um, next one. Describe your favourite meal and describe a setting for me. Oh, a setting and a favourite meal. Oh, well, just something that comes to mind that I think is always wonderful is when you go somewhere on the Mediterranean and they feed you really fresh fish with, with sort of amazing salads. We did this quite a lot in Turkey um, when I was filming there last year and you've got some sort of beautiful sort of deck by the beach or by the sea and you can sit in the shade looking out over the water and they bring you fish that's literally been plucked straight from the sea. Um, uh, that's, that's always a really good sounds night. lovely what was the best thing about this month for you this month oh well literally two days ago I got some uh two days ago I got some really really lovely feedback about my program from one of the commissioners um at the channel oh. so that made made me very happy <laughs> oh that's good to, good to hear and um give me one thing you're excited for in the future well um I'm getting going on a shoot hopefully if it actually happens to New Mexico in October 
Um, so we're just working, we've just started preparing for that. Nice. And then just the last two, fill in the blanks for me. Monday is... Uh, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Monday is another start to a new week. <laughs> nice. And work is... Challenging. Oh, I love that. Great. Well, let's get into it. So I just want to, I always start with a show of um, what's your idea about work when you were just a couple of years old, when you were a kid? You know, what did you understand what work was as a concept when you saw your parents leaving the door? I guess when I was little, you know, you just thought, because my mum didn't work, she was a stay at home mum. So it was my dad who was the breadwinner. Mm. Um, that uh yeah that you know dad goes out to earn money so that we can have the nice things that we have so it was just a thing that you do to get money mm. I suppose. and and has that perception of work changed since you started working yourself I mean it, that's not untrue it is a thing that we do to get money yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that we would do the same amount of work or we would work in the same ways if um if we didn't if it if, if we didn't have to earn money mm. but um equally like I'm not a money motivated person, particularly in terms of you know I, I I'm in an industry that doesn't pay famously particularly well. Um, if I did want to earn six figure salary, I definitely wouldn't be doing this. Mm. So I think you know it, it's also important to enjoy what you do and be and have satisfaction. So it's not just about the money. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and when you came out of when you finished university, your first job was with the BBC. And you took a quite interesting step first before you started doing the filming side of things. You actually were in a different role. You were doing more admin side of things before you move on to what you do now. Yeah, so I started as a secretary, but it wasn't a full-time position. So I worked as a secretary at the BBC as a sort of temp cover um, in university holidays. So I was at university at Edinburgh University, but in the in the Easter and the winter and the summer holidays, um, I stayed with my sister who was living in London and worked at the BBC effectively as a way of earning money and keeping busy during the university holidays. Um, and so I was temping in various roles, sort of being, as I say, maternity or holiday cover um, at the BBC. And that just sort of gave me my first taste of this is a really brilliant place where I really want to work. And I didn't know at that point exactly what I wanted to do within the BBC because there's lots of different things that you can do. But I just, I really loved the kind of the culture and the vibe and the being surrounded by creative people and the fact that when you went to work, you could just wear jeans and trainers rather than having to wear a suit. <laughs> it's a big plus. Um, yeah, that, it really is. It really is. I definitely couldn't work somewhere where I'd be expected to wear, you know, sensible shoes and, you know, and a suit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how did you pivot then um, in, into what you do now? So I, one of the, one of the women that I was being an assistant to ran all the training schemes for the news, for the journalists at BBC News. Um, and she was really lovely and really kind of encouraging me to go into news. And she encouraged me to do a postgrad in broadcast journalism. So I applied for that and got on it. Um, and so I took out another year and did that. Uh, and then after that, I then obviously had a qualification in broadcast journalism. And I, at that point, wanted to be a news reporter I kind of had visions of myself being uh, an international foreign correspondent type oh, person okay um you know chasing stories going around the world being at the front line of everything wow. yeah. and then I applied for a just because it, they were advertising and I thought well you know no harm in trying for a position as a trainee researcher in the documentaries department at the BBC okay um and didn't they didn't think it was what I wanted to do but I thought well I'll just apply anyway and I got it which I wasn't expecting because it was quite expensive. <laughs> so, um, so I accepted 
and 17 years later I'm still doing documentaries wow isn't it one of those things like um uh, like spontaneous nights like you surprisingly really enjoy so I guess how it's that kind of how, how it turned out for you <laughs> you weren't really mm-hmm. expecting it to be a long-term career I mean but how did you kind of realize that being in the creative industry was, was a passion of yours um and how did you like recognize it at first it's all that's always been something that I've um I've been interested in you know when I was little I mean I think a lot of people do this but when I was little I used to write stories um I was always the kid with the camera taking photographs you know from as soon as I had a camera which was probably at age about 11 I've got photo albums you know, oh, with me okay. taking pictures of my school friends. I take my camera to school and take pictures of my friends when I was about twelve years old. Wow! Okay. Um, and then, and then there was, and I was very good at English. I did English and French A levels, um, so I was into sort of languages and and writing. And I, you know, there was a school newspaper, and I wrote for the school newspaper. And then when I went to university, I did the student newspaper and I did student radio. Um, it just kind of that was always something that interested me, and you know, being creative and being and working with words language mm. has just always been my thing so that's very nice and and you know some people find, do find a pleasure in a lot of things that like interest and, and want them to do but they might not necessarily turn it into a career so was that mm. did that feel different than once you actually made that into your job not really I mean I think I think two things oh, I've always been very lucky that obviously I've I've come from a background where I've been able to do what I want I've had the support of my parents and um I think initially my parents were a little bit like this isn't a proper job what are you doing um because they would always expect their children to become doctors and lawyers and that kind of stuff yeah. um and they do accept it now but uh but yeah for a long time you know particularly being freelance and having big gaps between <laughs> contracts you know when you're first starting out they were a bit like really um and how is it um how does it feel doing this kind of like full-time as your, your professional career well, I think I suppose it's always been a work a worky thing. I am someone who likes working actually and I'm I'm and I'm like to keep busy. So I mean that's why I started the blog because when I was having gaps between TV contracts then I was sitting around at home and I didn't have anything to do and so I created effectively more work for myself. Um and I I like and I like doing that and I like generating content and writing stuff down and editing photos and being busy. So if if someone's not telling me what to do I'll just find something to do. And um it, there is an element sometimes of you know if someone's sticking their oar in it's annoying so which I quite like the blog because it's just what I want it to be I can set my own deadlines but then if I miss them no one's going to shout at me um so that's quite nice as opposed to and obviously you know when you're in a work environment and you've got people telling you what to do and you've got your deadlines but but tv is a very collaborative team effort and you know invariably when someone says I don't like this do it differently you know, it it always turns out good or better in the end. You know, their vision is, you know, so I I appreciate the feedback from from the bosses, and normally it works out um, better in the long run. So yeah, so it's not too stressful. The the the, the kind of the, I guess the field you're in, right? Is is you mentioned a few times already that it's kind of like a freelance um, kind of project based kind of environment. So. Could you explain, I guess, explain like a very overview kind of, you know, what is that like? You know, how, how does it all work in terms of like, you know, most people go, most people I would say, you know, have office jobs and they have a set time. Um, what is that like and, and how does it all work together? So how it works in the bit of TV that I work in, I think it's different for a film production or, or sort of, you know, independent, some independent documentaries. But um, channel, TV channels obviously have time slots to fill. Channel controllers have to find programs to fill those time slots so they come up with suggestions as the sorts of things that they think 
they want the kinds of programs they want to put in their schedules um and then yeah. they go to uh the the independent production companies like the one that i work for and they say we're looking for content about this or we're looking for this sort of thing give us your ideas and then the independent production companies have development teams who come up with ideas based on the feedback that they've been given from the channels so they pitch ideas sometimes they they might come up with something completely out of the blue and pitch that as well but generally it's Mm. a sort of collaborative process between the channels and the and the development teams to work out you know what's going to be the next biggest thing or what are people interested in at the moment um and once a once a independent production company has pitched an idea and the channel says okay that's a great idea we'll have that thank you very much then they'll say, okay, go ahead, here's the budget, this is the deadline, go ahead and make it. That's when the channel, sorry, that's when the production company will then phone up somebody like me and say, we've got a commission to make this program, would you like to come and work on it? Um, So when I start, the idea has already been commissioned by the channel and I know and I'm already told this is what the program's going to be about. Um, so it's there, I'm already operating with I can't have some sort of crazy idea and go off and do something completely different. But at the same time, there is a lot of creative freedom within the parameters of of the pitch. And sometimes, you know, what's in the pitch by the time you've got through the commissioning process or you see the budget isn't actually possible anymore anyway. So you have to sort of think creatively about how can we still give them something that is in the spirit of the commission, but isn't exactly what was written on the page when they said yes. That's really that's that's already um different kind of I guess mindset I guess what, what I usually do as well in terms of, you know, I work in the office and I work in a corporate job and you know having that kind of um freedom of, of kind of doing your things your own way it, it is probably quite a foreign idea to a lot of people um plus obviously you still have you know all those different elements that you still have to think about uh behind the scenes um so it sounds like a, you know, a massive team effort and so you mentioned earlier that um you kind of started your own thing um kind of in between the, the free times and kind of uh, in between projects. What was that like then since you've taken that on? How, how long have you been doing it? And, and then do you feel you want to do this long term or, or what, what, what's your kind of thinking behind all that? I started the blog uh, about five years ago. Um, and mm-hmm. the reason, the, the number one reason was because I was working at Lonely Planet as a video, video producer. And because I can write and I do take photographs and I love doing that I went to my boss at Lonely Planet and I said I can write and take photos can I do that for you please and she said well where's your proof like what what have you got to show for yourself have you got a travel blog because basically we're not going to take anybody seriously unless they've got a travel blog you know how which makes sense so I was like oh oops uh, no I don't have one so I went and started one um and I had no idea what I was doing and I just sort of you know, was just writing for myself and putting up pictures. And I, I really enjoyed it, but it didn't do very well um, because I didn't know anything about search engine optimization or, you know, any of that kind of back mm. behind the scenes stuff. So it yeah. took a long time for me to kind of learn about all of that. And it's, you know, the blog has evolved and it's, you know, it's doing a bit better than it, it was initially. But it, because I'm only doing it part time, you know, I don't have as much time to work on it as I would like. And I would love to get to a stage where, you know, I'm, I'm earning, you know, reasonable amounts of money from it sort of just behind the scenes it's just sort of passive income and also yep, that yep. you know I've got enough readers and followers that you know more tourist boards will will hire me to come and visit their destinations and write about them because it is it's really lovely to do that it's really lovely to share um you know amazing places um, mm. I'm really passionate about tourism at travel or tourism as a, as a force for good oh what does that mean uh, what, what what do you like about traveling 
What do I like about traveling? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I have a very short attention span, so I am always ne- needing to be stimulated by new things. And so that's, for me, traveling is, is a really great way to, um, you know, just be constantly seeing new things, doing new things, learning about new stuff. Um, but I do also, you know, I just as a, as a, as a way for broadening people's horizons and for teaching people about different ways of doing things in the world. Um, I think it's a really valuable, uh, a really valuable thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. I definitely feel that way. Um, especially kind of, I, I grew up abroad as well. Um, so I definitely kind of saw, a lot more I think you know having our perspective and having that kind of extra exposure with different cultures and, and different you know customs and, and, and things like that um we're coming up towards the end of the show now uh, and I always like to do a assumption round as well um so for this week um Kutero thinks that passion is hard to find not everyone is born with a passion I don't have a time to explore what do you think about this well, I think that's very difficult because, you know, a lot of people are not in a position, in a financial position to pursue their passions. It's all very well to say, oh, you know, you're miserable in your job. Quit your job and, you know, go and become a baker or a you know painter or whatever. But actually, a lot of people are supporting families and paying rents and mortgages. And um, and it is very difficult. So I guess the only thing that you can do is sort of try to find small enjoyments, you know, initially and then try and grow them a little bit, a little bit at a time. So you know, my, my blog, which I, I do really love and would love to, you know, turn into more of a an income stream over time, you know, did start as something that I just did in the evenings and at the weekends, and I wasn't earning any money from it. And I think you can go into these things that you're passionate about very slowly, you don't have to quit your job and set up a bakery, just start baking, you know, and, and then, you know, maybe putting yourself out there on social mm. media, I think social media is a really, really amazing tool for letting people know about your, your about your passions now and I think you know anybody who's passionate about something and is good at what they do can can quite quickly sort of get a following on social mm, media I agree. Um, and that that really it's really helps to encourage you to keep going with your passion and gives you reward and gives you reward because you know there's nothing more amazing than when I write a blog post and then someone gets in touch and goes thank you so much that's really helped me or now I'm going to go to this place that you've recommended because you inspired me and that doesn't pay me any money, but it's just, it, it helps to make me feel happy. <laughs> That's also really important. So. Yeah. I mean, would you say sometimes, I, mean, I don't know if it's the right kind of um, way to put it, but do you, would you find sometimes that you actually get a bit more, or could be the same, or, or I guess get more kind of rewarding feeling from doing kind of like your blog posts and stuff rather than kind of, you know, getting your paycheck every month or, or at the end of the project for you? Oh, it's, it's far more rewarding, yeah, emotionally. Mm. Um, I... I think the, the sort of the direct interaction with your audience is really lovely. So, you know, obviously if I, if I make a TV program and then it goes out on the telly, I, I don't get to interact with the people who watch it. Although sometimes, you know, people will tweet stuff when the program's going out and you can follow the hashtags on Twitter and you can see people, but mostly, mostly they're grumbling about stuff. So you read it and they're like, Oh God, <laughs> they didn't like that part. Oh God. Um, so that's not very nice actually. Uh, but yeah, but normally on the blog, you know, it's 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 people saying nice things. So um, so that's really lovely when somebody appreciates the work you've put in. Um, yeah. yeah. Did you always plan um, or knew the role you would do is going to be a big part um, with, with traveling involved? I had hope. So I, I studied languages, as I said, and I got into telly thinking, you know, as I said, maybe wanted to be an, an international foreign correspondent type thing so I always wanted to travel for work and I thought TV would be a really good way of doing that Mm. and actually what happened was when I when I accepted this trainee scheme because I had a journalism 
qualification they made they put they put me into sort of journalistic roles so I ended up doing um, consumer programs uh, like I don't, I don't know if you've heard of a, a program called Watchdog which is sort of investigating when companies have ripped people off oh okay um, or, or behaved badly so it's UK based and it's and it's there's quite a lot of legal you know trickery going on and you know so I ended up doing that and that's that doesn't involve any travel at all and the problem with that for me was I did a year on those kind of programs and once you have that stuff on your CV it's very hard to then move across and do something else so I was there going oh well I'd like to lovely work on I'd love to work on travel shows and people would look at my CV and go but hey no but you do legal stuff and consumer um and I'm like, well, I don't really want to. <laughs> so it took quite a long time, actually, for me to then, by little sort of incremental side steps, okay, to so move you, across from program to program. Do you have to kind of put your hand up to programs, or do you get kind of assigned to programs? Uh, nowadays, I get offered mm-hmm. stuff, so people will call up and say, "Are you free?" I mean, I have to put myself out there, and as much as you know, I have to let people know that I'm available because you know, for the last say nine months, I haven't been available, so people haven't been calling because. I haven't been sort of holding up my hand and saying I'm here. Mm. Um, when I do do that, so every you know, if I, about a month before the end of a contract, I'll I'll send emails out to all my contacts and say I'm about to become available again. And then sort of word spreads amongst the all the production managers, mm. and somebody will call me. But that that's sort of now after 17 years in the industry. So in the beginning, yeah, you're constantly having to either apply for jobs on on jobs boards or yeah, be constantly emailing production managers and and executive producers and saying hello wow. it's me can I come and work for you please oh wow so it's a kind of constant thing in the big, like, beginning of career that you always kind of I guess it's a, I, I assume the projects you do will be kind of every couple of months right um they usually last that long well when when you're a researcher or an assistant producer you are only on the the sort of the production side so you are involved in the research and then you might go on the shoot but once the shoot is finished and then you're into the edit then as a researcher or as an assistant producer, you don't, you're don't you not involved in any of that. You go on and you do another job. So those contracts tend to be no more than a few months. Now that I also do the edit, I then, once the filming is finished, then take the programme into the edit and I cut it all together and then I do the post-production. So wow. it's a much longer contract for me. <laughs> it sounds it sounds a lot of work. And I love that you actually do, you do so many things because I had a look at your website and you know, documentaries, you do. Um, you've done some reality TV shows. You've done some, you obviously do photography, you do voiceovers, you write. Mm-hmm. Um, you also mm-hmm. train classically in, in singing. I mean, you, you dabble into so much different things. How, how did you kind of make sense of it all? Um, because having all this different revenue, uh, it's kind of streams of kind of, I guess, um, you know, work or, or expertise. You, know, you could have gone anywhere else. You could have picked one thing and focused on it or, you, or what you do now, kind of just do the, the, the whole lot. Well, as a freelancer, you sort of have to have your fingers in lots of pies because you never quite know when one thing is going to be successful or when another thing is going to dry up. Um, People call them a portfolio career where you've sort of got lots of little income streams that do different things. And then that way, you know, when the going's good in one, maybe it's going to be quiet somewhere else. Um, And also, as I say, I just I'm lucky that I'm, I'm quite good at lots of different things. And I and I have a short attention span, as I said, so I like doing lots of different things and I like keeping busy. I'm fortunate as well that I, I well, I think I'm fortunate that I don't have kids. So I have a lot of time, you know, I have 24 hours a day to do whatever I want and whatever pleases me. I don't have, I don't have any responsibilities for looking after anybody else or, you know, being there to raise my kids or whatever. So I have a lot more time on my hands than quite a lot of other people do. That helps. 
Was it difficult at first when you kind of, um, I guess, to, to create? Because I'm guessing when you when you as a when you work as a freelancer, you really had to uh, know how to sell yourself, right? Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. you had to keep some, uh, applying to jobs and, and getting your kind of face out there. Mm-hmm. So was it hard at first for you to kind of put that all together uh, at the very beginning stage? Yeah, I think I think it is because you have to. You're sort of worried about bothering people. You know, you want to send emails to people saying, "Hello, this is me," and um, at the same time, you don't want them to be like, "Oh God, please leave me alone, little annoying person." But you just have to get over that. And I, I suppose, again, I have an advantage that I am quite outgoing and I am quite articulate. So, and I'm quite confident. So I don't mind, you know, putting myself forward or just marching up to someone and saying hello. Um, and so I guess that kind of helps to. In, in in an industry where you know you do have to put yourself out there and you do have to sort of slightly force yourself on people at the beginning but obviously in a polite way um yeah <laughs> you can't be shy and retiring you know and expect people to remember you so. ah, i've never i've always, I just always had this uh, i guess assumption that uh people who are in front of the camera are going to be a bit more extrovert, a bit more confident a bit more outgoing whereas people who like to be kind of behind the scenes are probably a bit more reserved but I guess I was wrong. It doesn't sound like that's the case. Yeah, most people who work in TV are the same, are very similar sort of type personality types, I think, which is why one of the reasons why I, I love the job, because I'm always surrounded by people who are, you know, they're sparky and they're charismatic and they're go-getting and they're clever and they're, you know, creative. You know, everybody in my industry is the same. So it, it makes it for a really wonderful place to work. And I'm, I'm quite sad that we're not in the office anymore because... I'm sat at home by myself. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be, there's going to be a solution um, to fix that very soon enough. And I think, you know, we, we also have to kind of, you know, uh, yeah. adapt the situation as well, right? Um, okay, we, we're coming up to the end of the show now. Um, so I always like to end on the show with what advice would you like to give to a turtle? Um, well, I, I could give you a piece of advice that I just gave to a friend who was, um, talk, I went to the pub last night with a friend who, uh, is having trouble because um, her workload is, is completely impossible and she's really stressed because they're giving her far too much to do and she just doesn't have enough time in the day to do it but there isn't anyone else to delegate it to and she's really stressed and um, the advantage for her is that actually you know they do think she's really good and that's why they keep giving her all this work to do but she just can't manage it so I said to her that she needs to obviously go and talk to her boss and say, look, I'm really seriously in danger of burning out and I, I love the job and I love working here, but you really need to help me because this is not sustainable. And this is, you know. and I suppose the, the message there is really that if you're having a problem at work and something is, is, is difficult, you just have to talk to your your boss and you have, I mean, you, it's very difficult because some people's bosses just won't listen, but you have to be able to go in a, in a way that sort of makes it a positive thing for them. You know, that actually this is the problem that I'm having here is the possible solution. This is why I think this is going to be better in the long run for all of us, not just for me, but for you, I will be better if you help me with this. Um, I think that's the way of doing it. I think you just have to speak up and it ultimately, if you speak up and your boss does not listen, then you have to leave. Mm. Great advice. Why would you want to work? Exactly. Yeah. I always kind of, I, what I always think is that you know we, we spend probably some for some people more a third of the time working uh, in a lifetime. Um, why 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 spend your time that that valuable time um, in somewhere that you feel stressed all the time and, and you just don't enjoy the work? Um, so that's kind of what the podcast mm-hmm. message is: is to let people know that there are different paths, um, there are different careers out there for you to think about, and, and you know, obviously not knowing saying like you said earlier that you know just quit your job tomorrow and then you'll find your passion and that'll be all good like obviously that's not realistic um but like you mentioned you know you know slowly getting kind of 
dabbing away and finding what you like, what you enjoy, and kind of slowly building. It doesn't have to be a, a race. You can just do it completely in your own time. Uh, and that's why you know, having people like you on uh, always you know, send that message across a bit more with you no know, actual lived experiences. So thank you very much for, for sharing your, your story. Um, so if our listeners want to know more, um, where's the best place to find you? Uh, my website is at bellafalk, B-E-L-L-A-F for Freddie, A-L-K dot co dot UK. And the blog is at passportandpixels.com. And those are the two places. Oh, I love the name. How did you come up with it? Passport and Pixels. I don't know. I guess because I wanted it to be travel and photography and it had mm. a nice ring to it. Nice, nice. Well, brilliant. I think that that covers it all. Um, thank you so so much for sharing your story again. I'll obviously put all the um, your websites and, and Instagrams and whatnot on on the show notes, so it's very easy for everyone to find. Uh, I really think that's been a, quite a useful conversation for someone out there um, who might be you know interested in, in in a kind of similar industry out here in Asia. Um, so, guys, if you're looking for some travel inspiration or just simply some really nice soothing photos to look at, definitely follow Bella on Instagram, uh, Passport and Pixels, uh, and you know, I'll put it all in the show notes. Um, my name is Emery, and I've been chatting with Bella. Uh, I would love to hear which story spoke to you the most. Tell us what career you want to get into and tell us what your passion is. All right, Awkward Turtle, over and out. All right, episode's over. If you've listened to the whole episode, I want to know who you are. I want to say thank you, so please get in touch. DM me on Instagram at evil94 so I know who to thank. If you've enjoyed this episode, I want to know why. Was it a guest? Was it a particular story that spoke to you? Message me, let me know. And if you really like this podcast and you're a regular listener, you can support me by leaving a trillion star review on Apple Podcasts or on my website. Leave me your Instagram handle or your email. I would love to give you a shout out. And finally, finally, make sure to share this podcast to whoever needs to hear this. I would love to reach more people with all these amazing stories. DM me if you ever want to come on yourself and share your story, or if you know someone who make a great guest on the show. You can tag me on Instagram, get in touch with my website. All the details are in the show notes, including where you can find this week's guest. As always, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week.